The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 4 this morning. And we're going to learn some lessons from the master soul winner, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in John chapter 4. And um, just a little note, side note, I've been at uh, Delano for over 13 years, serving as a pastor there. And involved in prison ministry for around 14. We have two state prisons, very large prisons uh, there in Delano. So I've been preaching in the prisons for over 14 years as a voluntary chaplain. And recently, around eight months ago, I was hired permanently as a chaplain at uh, Avenal State Prison. And so during the week, I'm in there preaching the gospel. I'm still pastoring there in Delano, and I have an assistant who, who helps me out during the week. And so now I get to preach several times in the prison, uh, which is around, like I said, around 60 miles north of Delano and Avenal State Prison. And it's uh, a privilege to be able to go in there and to study the Word of God and to preach there. And uh, I enjoy ministry both uh, inside the prison and outside the prison. It's always a joy to go in there and preach, and it's a joy to go home at night and not live there. That's for sure. All right, John chapter number 4. Let's begin in verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. <clears throat> he must needs go through Samaria. And of course, let me pause and say it's not a geographical need, though some Jews would travel through Samaria as they go up north. Most of the stricter Jews would travel around Samaria. That way they wouldn't interact with the Samaritan people since there was a lot of, of racial animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. So when Jesus, the Word of God says that Christ must needs go through, it wasn't because of a road or because of a geographical issue, but because Jesus, as a great shepherd, had many sheep there that he had to save. And it was the Father's purpose that he would go there in order to present himself as the Messiah and to save a multitude of sinners. Verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. <coughs> Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, Thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. 
Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Let's pray. <coughs> Father in heaven, we're grateful for this morning, this Sunday school hour. We pray that you would bless the teaching of your word, that it would be an encouragement to your people to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Father, for the gospel of John. Thank you for the perfect example of seeking the lost by the Lord Jesus Christ here in John 4. Encourage us through thy truth and by your spirit, for we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at some points that deal with the issue of evangelism, of proclaiming the gospel to those that are lost and need to hear the message of salvation. I remember the first class that I took that dealt with evangelism was around 19 years ago. And this certain evangelist taught a class on videotape, VHS, those big blocks. And uh, we, used that, we used that as a class. And I remember looking at this guy. He was very talented. He had a very outgoing personality, very witty guy. And he was teaching how to evangelize the lost. In fact, he, was, he had a lot of good salesman techniques. In fact, I was convinced that this evangelist had worked for Kirby Vacuum Cleaners. He would be a millionaire. I mean, he was so good at getting people to agree with him and come to pray a certain prayer. But when it comes to evangelism, the master soul winner is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. As he deals with the woman of Samaria, he begins in the natural, speaking about something as common as water. And he moves from the natural water to the supernatural living water, the, under the metaphor of living water that is everlasting life, that is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to note some things from our text this morning. First of all, we're going to notice that Jesus prompted her concern. Jesus begins it. He begins the conversation. He prompts her concern by asking for something as simple as a drink of water. After that, Jesus moves from the natural to the supernatural. Our Lord <coughs> perplexes her curiosity. That is to say, he moves from water and then he speaks of living water. That if she knew who was speaking to her, 
she would not just ask for a cup of water, she would ask for living water, and she's very uh, curious about this living water. Thirdly, we're going to see that Jesus probed her conscience with the law of God. Our Lord brings her to recognize her lostness and her condemnation in breaking the law of God. In other words, showing her her lostness to get her to understand that she is lost and that she needs not religion, but a mighty Savior to save her from her sins. Our Lord moves from probing her conscience with the law to bringing her to her conversion. So let's look at these things. First of all, Jesus prompted her concern. In verse 7, the Bible tells us, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now let me pause and say there's, there, there's a lot here. We're going to go kind of quick. Let me say, first of all, there's something unusual here. This woman is coming at noontime to draw water. When most ladies would come in the evening time or early in the morning when it wasn't that hot, she comes at a very unusual water, unusual hour in which to draw water. She's coming at a time when other women would not be drawing water, almost as she has a desire not to run into other people, to be alone as she gets water. And not only is that interesting, but she is from the city of Sychar, the text tells us, and she travels from Sychar a great distance to this well known as Jacob's Well. We know from Bible geography that there were other wells closer to her city that she could have gone to to get water. But on purpose, she travels even farther to Jacob's Well. I believe she's doing that to get away from other people, specifically other gossiping women who would talk about her immoral lifestyle, her immoral background. She was probably the topic of the town. She was probably the topic of the gossip of the town because she had been married and divorced five times and she was living with a man who was not her husband. Unlike the United States, where that's very, very common, at this time it wasn't common. And so it was something not to be proud of, but to be ashamed of. And so, in order to avoid other people talking about her, to avoid other ladies of her town, she travels to avoid them an extra distance to Jacob's well at an unusual hour at noontime. She does this to avoid people, but yet God in his providence has ordered Christ to be there at that time in order to meet her. And our Lord begins the conversation by asking her for something common as a drink of water. And I want you to notice that a lady is going to draw water from a well, usually would carry a large bucket, and inside the large bucket would be like a cup with a large handle. She's not carrying cups, plural, but a cup, her own cup. As she draws water from the well, she's sitting there <clears throat> with water, with one cup, and Jesus says, I would like a drink of water. But a Jewish rabbi, a teacher of the Bible, had to be very careful about his reputation, so how much more would he not talk to a woman? And not only that, a woman with a wicked reputation, a rabbi would definitely want to stay away from her. Not only that, but there is racial animosity, hatred between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. Samaritan people, of course, of a mixed race since the time when Assyria invaded the north in 721 B.C., deported many of the Jews, left the poorest of the Jews in the north, 
brought in pagan people which intermarried and were not only, not only of a mixed race, but of a mixed religion. And so the Jews looked down upon them. And yet our Lord, sitting there talking to the Samaritan woman, and in the background is Mount Gerasim that can be viewed, and that is the place where the Samaritans worship in an unbiblical manner. Yet our Lord begins the conversation with something common. And he breaks the, the taboos of society by talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, a woman with a wicked past. Our Lord begins a conversation. <clears throat> Why? Well, the Bible made it very clear when he saved Zacchaeus. He said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Our Lord didn't wait for sinners to come to him. He went to them. Our Lord teaches us the example that it's not our responsibility as Christians to wait for the unsaved to come to us and say, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's a wonderful thing if a lost person comes to you that and says, what must I do to, to be saved? And of course, you would tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But that is rare. Most lost people don't knock on your door and tell you, I heard you're a Christian. You go to that Brand Baptist church. Can you tell me how to be saved? Usually they don't do that. And if it, if it does happen to you, then that's like very rare. It's like a miracle. Most of the time, we have to pursue the lost. And this is what our Lord does by prompting her concern by asking for a drink of water. And he moves from the everyday activity of drinking water from the natural, he swings it to the supernatural. And so our Jesus, secondly, caused her to be curious. Look at verse 10. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Our Lord tells her, If you really understood who I was, and you understood the gift of God that God gives the sinners, I wouldn't be doing the asking. You, the Samaritan woman, you would be doing the asking. And I would freely give you living water. Our Lord is taking a common Old Testament metaphor of salvation through the person of the Holy Spirit from passages like Isaiah 12.3, which say, With joy shall ye draw water out of the well of salvation. Our Lord here says, if you knew who it is that is asking for a drink of water, you would have asked of Him for this gift. What is a gift? It's something that is unmerited. Something that is undeserved. Our Lord doesn't begin speaking of salvation, that somehow that salvation is a reward for righteous people. He begins with the very basic, that it is a gift for the guilty. And He begins this conversation moving from the natural to the supernatural. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? And of course, she's thinking physical. You didn't bring a bucket. You don't even have your own cup. And yet you're offering me water? How, how are you going to get water? Verse 12. Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank of thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Here in verse 12, it 
the question expects a negative answer. Are you greater than our father Jacob? No, you're not greater. You're greater? No, you're not greater than him. She's ignorant of the person of Christ. Verse 13. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now, the word drinketh in verse 13, the word drinketh in verse 14, same word but two different tenses. The first verse, I mean the first word here in verse 13, whosoever drinketh of this water, physical water, will thirst again. <clears throat> a person that drinks physical water, he needs to continually drink water in order to satisfy. The person that drinks physical water needs to continually, continually, continually drink water. He'll never be truly satisfied. He's continually thirsty and he's continually drinking. Verse 14. But whosoever drinketh, and this is a drink of a once and for all drink, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. A double negative, bad English, right? Bad English grammar, good Greek grammar. It's a way of emphasizing the absolute impossibility of something. A person that drinks once and for all of this water, he will never, ever, ever thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. She understands the issue, first of all, wrongly. She thinks physical. This is not the first time in the Gospel of John that someone misunderstood the words of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in John 3? Unless a man is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he is old? And of course, Nicodemus part of the Sanhedrin. He's probably in his 60s or 70s. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was thinking physical, not spiritual. This Samaritan woman has the same understanding. She's thinking physical. And then she says in verse 15, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. In other words, She's curious. She moves beyond curious to where she desires this water. She desires this, this water that will give her everlasting life. Now this is where most, not all, but most modern evangelism ends. And yet this is where biblical evangelism is just beginning. She says, I want this water. Okay, bow your head and pray this prayer right now. That's not what our Lord said. What, you want, you want this water right now? All right, let's play the hymn, Just As I Am. Bow your head, close your eyes. It's not enough just to want to escape hell. It's not enough just to want to live forever. A man must come to the Savior for the right reasons because he is condemned by a just and holy God. He cannot save himself from the wrath of God. He must flee to the only one that can save him by faith and faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. She doesn't understand the seriousness of her sin. She doesn't understand that she doesn't need to be saved from a bad self-esteem or from uh, not having her purposes and dreams fulfilled. No, no, no. She needs to be saved from her sin. But in order for her to understand that, our Lord uses the evangelistic tool of the law of God. 
The law of God was not given for men to save themselves. The Ten Commandments were given to show men how much they need the Savior. And so where this woman says, I, I want it, I want this life, our Lord doesn't immediately proceed to have her pray the sinner's prayer. Our Lord, as the great physician, takes, that, takes out that surgical knife of the law and begins to prick her conscience. Jesus convicts her conscience with the law. So number three, Jesus convicted her conscience with the law, exposes her heart and her sinful life. And so here she says in verse 15, the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now what kind of answer is that? You don't usually write that at the end of a track. You're ready to be saved? Yes, I'll go, go call your husband. What? It's a bad track. It's not going to sell. But our Lord, our Lord is not following some pre-made plan written by a famous evangelist with three points in a prayer. Our Lord is dealing with an eternal soul. And if a person is going to come to Christ, they must come to Christ because they recognize by the grace of God that they need a Savior to save them from the wrath of a holy God. And so our Lord is using the law here. Specifically, the seventh commandment, which says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That God has given this, the gift of sex for a husband and wife within holy matrimony and only between a man and a woman. We've got to clarify what a husband and wife is these days. God has given this gift, and so our Lord tells her, go call your husband. She responds in verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. <coughs> Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. One of the shortest sentences in the original language is literally her answer is, no husband. It's not a long sentence, very short, no husband. I don't have a husband. And our Lord knows everything about her. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Verse 18. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. Our Lord knows everything about her is true. That you have been married and divorced five times, and you're living with a man in sexual sin. You have spoken the truth. You don't have a husband. And he does it in a gracious but yet truthful manner, showing her her sinfulness as she looks at herself in the mirror of the law of God. The law was not given as a means for good people to save themselves. The law was given as a means for evil people to see their own wickedness and to see their need for a perfect Savior in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who has obeyed the law of God perfectly. She is convicted about her sin. <coughs> As our Lord has probed her conscience with the law, she's now at a religious crisis. What do you do when your sin's exposed? As you stand there before a, an all-seeing God who's 
thrice holy and you're exposed in your sin, what can you do? What does man naturally do? They run to religion. Verse 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye, that is the Jews, plural, ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. There in Jacob's well, which is interesting, I remember seeing a picture of it, uh, a man in my church and his wife, uh, he is actually a, a Palestinian, he's a Christian, and he actually showed me a picture of Jacob's well, him and his wife are posing there next to Jacob's well. He's now with the Lord, I did his funeral yesterday. But this well here, from the well you could see Mount Garrison where the Samaritans worshipped. And as they're speaking, she says, while we worship in this mountain, and ye, the Jewish people, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What is she doing here? I don't think she's moving the conversation from her own sin to the religious controversy of the day. It's like being convicted of your sin. Someone's witnessing to you. Oh, you feel so guilty. And then you say, but how about Hillary Clinton? What does that have to do with anything? Well, let's talk about politics, the latest controversy. It's like moving the conversation away to another subject. That's not what she's doing. What she's doing is this. She is convicted of her sin. She realizes, yeah, she has broken God's law. But she is saying to our Lord, I have religion my parents' religion, my grandparents' religion, my ancestors' religion, I have religion. Though we, the Samaritans, and you, the Jews, interpret things differently, we worship in this mountain, Mount Gerasim, which is interesting because 100 years earlier it was destroyed by the, by the Jewish people. So there's a lot of tension there between those both groups. She is saying, I have religion, I'm a sinner, but I believe in God. Isn't that enough? Verse 21. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain, Mount Garrison, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. There is coming a time when it will not be necessary, according to Old Testament law, that you bring an animal to sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem because the ultimate sacrifice will have already taken place in the person of Jesus Christ. There'll be a time when you don't need to keep the physical Passover because the ultimate Passover lamb, Jesus, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, will fulfill all of the Old Testament sacrifices and types and pictures. So in a certain sense, there will come a time very soon when you don't have to physically worship in Jerusalem, and certainly not in this mountain, Mount Garrison. Verse 22. Ye, the Jewish, or the Samaritan people, ye worship, ye know not what. We, the Jewish people, know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. This is one of the many politically incorrect statements in the Bible. Our Lord says, the Samaritan people, you Samaritan people, you do worship God sincerely, but not biblically. You don't know what you're doing. You have tradition on your side, but God is not on your side. You are worshiping God according to tradition, not to the written revelation of God, 
ye, the Samaritan people, you don't know what you're doing in your worship. Wow. How intolerant. <laughs> it's the truth spoken in love. You don't approach God in your way. Sinners must approach God in the way God is revealed in the Bible. And so our Lord says, you don't know what you're doing in worship. The Samaritan people, you don't know what you're doing in worship because you're worshiping God based on tradition and not based upon the Scriptures. Verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. That is, it is Worship is to be done sincerely in spirit, but according to the truth. What is that truth? Well, Jesus makes it very clear. The Old Testament makes it clear. Christ made it clear in his high priestly prayer in John 17. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Not that the Bible is true, because it measures up to some other standard. The Bible is truth itself. It is the standard by which all is measured. It doesn't have to measure up to another standard. It is the standard. It is truth. Verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. What what was our Lord doing here? Our Lord is simply saying religion cannot save. The Samaritan religion is not a religion... If you, if you do certain good things and offer certain sacrifices at the right place on Mount Garrison, somehow you can save yourself. Your religion cannot save you. God has provided a perfect Savior. And our Lord shows her how though she recognizes her sin, she first wanted to immediately run to religion to save herself. But it's not in religion that salvation is found. It is in the person of Jesus Christ alone. And that Messiah is a Jewish Messiah. That is, our Lord is not for American democracy. He's for a racial monarchy. For Jesus reigns as Jewish king of the world and of Israel. And she had to recognize this reality that it wasn't a matter of race as much as it was a matter of grace. God has provided salvation in Christ, not in your own man-made religion. And then our Lord brings her to conversion. Verse 25. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Now let me pause. God is really drawing her by by the Spirit of God. The Father is really drawing this sheep to the shepherd. Now how do I know that? Because the average American would have been insulted. How dare you call the religion of my ancestors wrong? Ha! What a bigoted rabbi are you? I'm out of here. I'm going to call the ACLU. She doesn't do that. She says, you're saying that my religion is not based on the word of God and God rejects it? It's true. It is unbiblical. She missed the harsh truth that contradicts her life. And then she says, I know when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. This is the Jewish Messiah. She's expecting not a Samaritan Messiah, but a Jewish Messiah according to the Word of God. She needs Him. She's a lost sinner. Religion cannot save. She needs the Jewish Messiah. Very humble, sort of like the, uh, 
the Canaanite woman, humble, willing to accept the truth of the Word of God. And our Lord speaks so clearly here in verse 26, more clearly to this Samaritan woman than he even did the Jewish people. Verse 26, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Literally, he that speaketh of thee, I am. I am. She has been brought to see her sinfulness and that her hope cannot be in man-made religion. She's recognized her lostness. God has opened up her spiritually blind eyes. Christ has savingly revealed himself and she believes and trusts in Christ alone. The first evidence she gives of her conversion is that she desires to see other people saved. Look at verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? She never even took a class in soul winning. She, she, didn't, even, she didn't even know how to read a track and get a person to pray. But she had been converted by the grace of God, and therefore she desired to spread the message of Jesus to those who were lost in sin. There's so many lessons here. Let me just point out just a few very very quickly. I think the first, the first thing we learn is this. As Christians, we're to reach out to all types of people. Our Lord didn't just look for a certain type of people that looked a certain way, dressed a certain way, came from a certain background. He went after sinners. And here our Lord teaches us both by His perfect example and by His command in the Great Commission to preach the gospel to every creature that it is the will of God the gospel be preached to all types of people the good the bad the ugly you name it the gospel is to be preached to all not just to those that are agreeable but to but to all and i think our lord also teaches us the example that we're to go to where people are where are people that's where our lord went our lord never said if you if you build it they will come where's that at First hallucinations, chapter 2, or whatever, where did you find Building, they'll come. You're to go to them. And our Lord went to where this woman was at to seek her out, and many among the Samaritans were saved. And I think one other quick lesson is the necessity of using the law of God. It's not enough just for a man to admit, yeah, yeah, I'm bad, I'm bad. And even in prison, preaching to the prisoners there, you'll run into people and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm bad, I'm bad, but... Uh, let me tell you about Chico, who lives in the other dorm. Man, that guy's bad. That guy's wicked, man. I'm just bad. He's bad, bad. Man is naturally self-righteous. And the law has a way of exposing the depravity of our own heart. And to realize that if God gives us what we deserve, we deserve an eternal hell. And we can only flee to ref for refuge, not to religion, but to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd use the law to show men their sin, and secondly, and then point them to the necessity of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the many lessons we have from the perfect soul winner, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us to be an evangelistic people because you have shown sovereign mercy to us. 
that we in turn would desire to keep your commands out of love for you, and secondly, love for the lost. Bless your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.